1: What's good, everybody?
0: This is Matty Moles, and you are listening to the OKC Topic Thunder Podcast. And I am joined tonight after a perfect game by our Oklahoma City Thunder at home against the Orlando Magic in the second game of a back-to-back. We played hard. We fought hard. We saw some progress from some young guys. And yes, we got that L. So everybody kind of got what they wanted and what they needed out of this game here to talk about not just tonight but all three of our games so far as well as all the action that's happened in the association up to this point hailing from kentucky we got the one the only at thunder chats oh dylan huntsinger what's going on man
2: man it's been uh probably the craziest week of my life um but hey uh we're still we're still above water. Uh things are looking up. Uh the thunder are looking good and bad at the same time.
0: And uh, I'm ready to talk some basketball with you guys. And uh a little closer to our beloved Thunder than both of us uh, that you've heard on the pod so far. Uh a little north from me in the Sooner State. We got the one, the only Alex Roy. How are you doing tonight, man?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, had my little bit of normalcy yesterday. Had You know, I was able to attend the game. Um, so that was fun. And that was surreal at the same time. So, yeah. So ha- yeah. happy to be there. But, man, professional sports definitely need fans back. It's so weird.
0: So let's let's go ahead. We'll start there. Um, we all know that we beat the Hornets and all that stuff in game one. We can talk a little bit more about that a little bit later, but it was almost a little bit of history repeating in more ways than one. Uh, we'll start with this, the main storyline, uh, where the, the season, as we knew it last year ended, it it was surreal for me because I was actually going to be on the recap pod of that game with the Utah Jazz going into uh, Chesapeake Energy Arena. And, I mean, it was everything from the starting lineup were called and everything else. Like, it was about time for tip-off and all the chaos that ensued and then found out it was postponed, found out Rudy Gobert was the kind of the culprit, his microphone gate, all of those things. Um, Chris Paul trying to go talk to – talk to people on the bench and everybody freaked out and said, don't come any closer Um, to getting everything canceled there. And then our very first regular season game in the peak without fans was the Utah jazz. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So you had a firsthand look there, Alex, what was it like in the building during that game?
1: So, so, so I get, I get there and it's, it's weird because like usually I get there and we head downstairs to like the recesses of, you know, the bottom pits of, of, of the arena. And that's where the media room is. And you're walking, you walk by the visiting locker room, the thunder locker room, and you have the media room there where they do the interviews and all that. And so all that is closed off. That's called a red zone. Um, And so I don't have access to the red zone. Basically the only people that have access to the red zone are team personnel um, and NBA personnel. And that's it. So, no media, probably unless you have like a you know like a a permission from somebody to to get access to there um, but so that's the red zone. the yellow zone is where I was at that's basically everything outside of the court, everything outside of any closeness to the players or any closeness to n b a or team type personnel um so that's number one, that's, the, that's one difference. So number two, I didn't know where to go. So I got there and I, I couldn't go downstairs to where I normally go. So I just took the elevator, or no, actually I climbed some stairs and I went to the third level. So as a fan, I, I sit in the third level. I have season tickets to the third level, to Loud City. So I was just walking up there by myself, like literally by myself. And it felt like, so number one, nothing has changed upstairs. So they still have posters of Steven Adams, Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari. Like, I took a picture what? of that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they still have those posters out there. Um, they still have, like, you know, they had, they had these round things hanging from the ceilings um, that had the players on there, uh, individual players. And so they still had Steven Adams. They still had Chris Paul. And so remnants mm. from last season are still there. So basically what that means is that, you know, the 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 team as a whole – they they haven't really known what to do, so they haven't gone in, and changed and updated the things to this season stuff. Because I guess whenever the decree came down that hey, we're not going to have fans at the you know to start the season and so on and so forth, I'm pretty sure they were like you know what we don't need to do this right now. We need to focus on other things, focus on safety, so on and so forth. Um, and so that was very surreal, you know. So I, I was up there all by myself, and I you know I actually went to my to my seats where I usually sit, and it was just like wow like this is crazy number one all the seats are are, you know all the bottom all, all the lower level seats are covered with that tarp that says okc on it um you know and it's just like even even with the media stuff like number one it was a home opener and as far as media goes there was maybe 15 of us there that i can think of um that were there covering the game and you know our our press area has like plexiglass you know between the different slots of people uh we, you know we get box box lunches box meals um and it was and it, it was surreal and like the in game experience was surreal also because there's nothing there's no storm chasers there's no rumble the bison there's no you know thunder drummers it's just it's very it's it's a it's a very like dumbed down version of what the experience should be, you know, and uh, it was just surreal. It was, it was weird. The game itself adds adds a little bit of normalcy to life, like being able to see the game live and cover it from where from where I'm at from my vantage point. It felt like a regular season game, but like in the beginning of like number one. When, when, the, when the loudspeaker is talking, it echoes because I guess whenever you have the hum of 18,000 people there, you need that kind of like echo to kind of like reverberate throughout, you know, to let the sound carry. But when there's nobody there, it echoes. And so it was, you know, that sounded weird. And it was a lot of it was weird. A lot of it was surprising. Like you could hear, like I was all the way in Cloud City, what's called Cloud City, which is above Loud City. And you can hear the players down there. You can hear like when somebody says something with emotion, as far as like you know, a call that goes against them or something like that. Um, so it was just, it was just weird. It was surreal. It was, it was good to go. It was good to experience. Um, but like I said, professional sports definitely need fans, and the players react to that too. Like they asked Al Horford after the game, they were like, "Hey, you know, is, is that kind of weird for you to go out there and?" you know make a big time shot or make a big time play and not get the reaction you want he was like it's very weird you know i don't like it and i when i when i got traded to oklahoma city you know you know about oklahoma city and their fans and how their fans are able to kind of you know kick them up another notch because of their you know because of of their their wildness as fans and he was like you know without that being it, it just feels weird and so you know that that was my experience
0: that i mean that's that's awesome to like get that that firsthand knowledge the real question did you stand until the first points by oklahoma city were scored i did not maybe I we need not, to
1: st- i did not but thankfully the first points were scored pretty quickly cuz yeah, they came yeah. out <laughs> with a barrage of three <laughs> in the first four minutes yeah
0: yeah yeah i mean if you if you were like refilling your water or something like that might have counted like
1: now um, as, as a member of the media i have to remain objective and professional so i can't do that but inside i was screaming like a little girl well
0: okay so it was like what uh, <laughs> jonah hill and accepted it'd be really cool if like you didn't exactly <laughs> um so that that's a really good point so we've dropped two games now at home back-to-back games and mm-hmm. obviously no fans and those fans might have actually helped us uh, definitely given us a little bit of a boost especially against utah right there's there's no love lost with that organization and that team anyhow much less mm-hmm. the fact that everybody got babysitters and and all that went, and got a parking spot paid for dinner did all those things just to make it out to the arena last year yeah uh or earlier in march shoot earlier this year uh just just to be sent home without actually watching a game so that would have been cool well i guess we'll see whenever fans can get back in um i'm gonna kick this over to you dylan How has the experience been for you kind of just watching the thunder games without like the fans and all the other stuff and all the other energy
2: I mean, from the TV wise, you you don't really see too much of a difference um, in terms of NBA. I mean, you know, you got to think these guys are professional athletes and, you know, to some extent, you know, there are some guys that definitely feed off the energy of the crowd and are borderline dependent on the energy of the crowd. Like Mm -hmm. I'd say Russell Westbrook is greatly affected by not having fans there, Um, both boosting him up and, you know, calling him out like he he definitely thrives off that energy. But I would say the young guys like Shea, Baisley, Dort, you know, guys like that, I don't really think they're so much affected by the energy of the crowd. I think that, um, you know, these are kind of mild mannered guys that are just out there hooping. So I don't think it really affects them as much as, uh, you know, it, it would somebody like Russell Westbrook or even like somebody that's even younger than them. Like if you look around the college game, there's a lot of college teams that, I think are suffering because they're used to playing for such a raucous fan base. Um, I mean, you can look at all the Blue Bloods and I mean, it, it, it's kind of true with all of that, but yeah, I mean, j- just as a fan watching from the TV, I mean, it looks like a normal game um, mm. yeah, from Alex's point of view. It's, it's gotta be crazy. Just kind of looking down over all those seats, everything's empty. And then there's just a basketball game being played on the court. though. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, like was, if you didn't know playing. there was supposed to be a game played that night, like you would, you would think that people would just like suit it up and play a pickup game or something, right? Like it's just kind of – it just seems like that would be really a weird experience there uh, for that. Uh, do you got it any did, more any, any more thoughts, it did, Alex?
1: It, so it, it did feel like a practice. Like it did feel like you were at a at – like, like a supercharged scrimmage or something like that. Um, yeah it, it did it, it did feel like a practice like it's just it, it was it was it was surreal it was surreal and i mean it's twenty twenty so i wouldn't expect anything less
0: yeah right right uh twenty twenty one you have a very low bar to cross if you <laughs> yes, want to be a good you. year yes. um, oh
2: oh hold on before we move on i i don't know if anybody else saw this, and if you haven't, I apologize you might need to look it up because it's it's at the same time, simultaneously, the worst thing and the funniest thing I've seen this year, it's a Match.com commercial, right? And it opens, and I, I guess you're in hell, because you see Satan, uh, like this depiction of Satan sitting on his throne, and he's looking through his phone, and he matches with someone. <laughs> he meets them in the, in the park, and he goes, two zero two zero. She's like, you can call me 20 <laughs> And the whole commercial <gasps> on this love story and it was so stupid but it made me laugh so
0: hard oh my gosh and you know how many people that had to like get through to get approval
2: Uh, i was like i mean hey if nothing else like i i applaud your boldness but i mean i I appreciate it i thought it was funny
0: but i mean it stuck with you so like somebody did their job right like good job I mean, I'm hey, still I'm, I'm married, so I'm not using Match.com, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm still singing "Puppy Monkey Baby" to myself after oh, like, oh gosh, yeah. So like, it's fine. Was that like, last commercial- was
1: that last Super Bowl? Was that two? That was Bowls like ago? two
0: two Super Bowls yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there we go. Um, all right. So there was actual basketball that was played by the Thunder in games that mattered that count. Yeah. And thank goodness they count because we need all those losses we can get because the nba is kind of crazy right now um let's let's start with the let's start with the rest of the association and then we'll drill down into how the thunder has been doing um dylan what what is your good surprise bad surprise so far in this season for anyone not that's that's not thunder directly related
2: uh, bad surprise. Uh, I would say probably the wizards. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, I would say a, a lot of that is, you know, just trying to fully integrate Russell Westbrook and Russ really, um, like I was saying earlier, like just getting used to playing without a crowd. I mean, he got a small sample size in the bubble, but, um, you know, this is a full regular season that he's about to have to go out there and, you know, play for little to no people. He's going to have to fire himself up, um, for lack of a better term. Um, but honestly, my biggest surprise has been the Pacers, man. Like, I mean, if, if yep. you're looking at the uh, – I mean, if you look back at our episode last week when we kind of did the uh, conference projections, uh, I had the Pacers at like seven or eight, I can't remember. I just didn't have a lot of faith in them. Um, but Sabonis – Owadipo, mm. Brogdon like they've all been playing lights out basketball um I know they lost to the Celtics tonight and what what sounded like a duel based on Twitter I mean obviously the Thunder game was going on so I don't get a, I didn't get to see it but uh I mean Sabonis looks like he's taking another step on top of his all-star season and Owadipo looks like he's uh he's kind of back to his all-star ways and Brogdon I mean people don't realize Brogdon was 50 40, 90 Either last year, or the year before, I can't remember. Like, he's a he's a good basketball player, and um, mm-hmm. as long as he can stay healthy. So, you know, if that squad can stay healthy, I mean, Miles Turner's averaging like eight blocks a game right now, something ridiculous. So, that, they've got a lot of pieces around there. So, I, I would say that's my big surprise
0: right now. Good
2: surprise, I should say.
0: What about you, Alex?
1: Uh, so I guess. It's a surprise in that the type of team that they've been over the past five to six years. So Toronto being is it zero and three, I think, um, at the at this moment.
2: Oh, um, and I
1: know, and I zero four. Yeah, man, and I know they're going. Yeah, zero and three. And I know they're Wonders. they're going through a tumultuous time also because they're not playing in Toronto. They're playing in Tampa, and so a lot of those guys, you know, they may be experiencing basically a bubble situation um, because, you know, a lot of these guys, let's say like Lowry or something like that, you know, older guys, veteran guys probably have families already, you know, their families probably stayed behind. And so they're having to do this whole bubble type thing once again um, this season. And so, you know, Oh, and three, even though it's surprising for the type of team that they are um, it's not surprising for the, you know, probably their experience that they're going through right now. Um, so that's, you know, that's one surprising team. You know, secondly, you know, kind of like Houston and kind of Miami, you know, those are the teams that I'm looking at because they have, we have a stake in, in how Excellent. their season goes. Yes, we have a stake in how their season goes. And, you know, Houston just basically – dumbing up at the beginning of the season and, you know, going against COVID protocols and having their first game, you know, postponed, I guess. Um, And then having half of their squad basically quarantined for about a week now. Uh, So they're 0-2. Miami is, I believe, 1-2 or 1-3. And then Golden State, they're 2-2. They started off 0-2, but they're, you know, they finally kind of played some bad teams. And now they're two and two. Um, And so just kind of like watching them and and seeing how that that plays out, uh, because we do have a stake in how they finish the season. And so this season is 72 games, not 82. And so you can always look at something and say, oh, okay, just wait till the first 10 games, wait till the the first 15 games. But when you're talking about 10 games or 15 games in a 72-game season, you're you're already talking about a quarter of the season right there. Um, And Mm. so, you know, just seeing how those things play out. And it's, it's going to be a weird season in the beginning because a lot of these teams are going to go into their first 10 games and treat that as an extended training camp, an extended preseason, um, and kind of get, get the chemistry going um, because of the shortened offseason, the shortened training camp. Um, and so we're going to see a lot of craziness uh, throughout the NBA in these first, you know, these first two or three weeks of the season. The problem is I think some teams won't be able to recover um, from those first two and three weeks of the
0: season. So my big – my my first, like, big, like, good surprise, uh, go to tankathon.com, and if you look at the NBA, it's uh, it shows what the, the draft position would be, one through 30. Mm-hmm. So, like, the best teams are, are, you know, at the end of that, the 30 and, and up. Yeah. The last – Five teams on this list are all out east. We've got Cleveland at three and one, Indiana at three and one, Philadelphia three and one, Atlanta three and oh, and Orlando four and oh. Pretty crazy. Uh, just looking at that, a a handful of those teams you would think, Mm -hmm. and, and they very well could be right small sample size, just four games out of a 72 game season. Like it's fine, but um. That's, that's just pretty interesting. Like, guys like Fultz are going off early. And this thing, Trey Young is playing, like, the MVP of the league potentially right now. Yeah. Uh, crazy efficiency numbers. Um, Philadelphia, like, they're using their talent. They're really good. We just talked about Atlanta. Cleveland, uh, Kevin, Kevin Love's out for, like, three to four weeks now. So, we'll see how they deal with that loss. But they were clicking a little bit. Garland sexton like those guys were sexton man (laughs) sexton it's it's getting dicey up in sexton man those guys are balling and it's like hey you know what maybe maybe cleveland's not a pushover so which is great i say that because as an oklahoma city thunder fan i want those teams to get as many wins as they can right now yep especially knowing the fact that i've already regulated Mm -hmm. myself to to accepting that that golden state First is really going to be two seconds. I'm not even holding out hope that Golden State's going to be a top ten team this year.
1: Can, can I? Can I? Can I add in the, add something to that? So go ahead. Yeah. It's not two seconds. It's one second because we already got the Denver second already in the deal. So whether 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 we get the so if we get the Golden State first, let's say it's you know pick 21 and we get it, we still get that Denver second. Mm. So if we don't get that Golden State first, it just turns into one Minnesota second for this year.
0: That is less appealing to me now. See, exactly. I was not. I thought it was two seconds. So thank you for clarifying that up. I think a lot of people actually don't know that. A lot of people are probably in my camp where they thought it was two seconds. So, boy, hey, Ubre, Wiggins, yeah. can you Hit guys like, make a shot? Hit a a damn three, homie. Somebody, right? I I feel Uh, like
2: I've seen uh, Kelly Oubre huge dunk highlight in every single game this year, but he's shooting like
0: two of 20 from three. It's awful. Well, and I – you know, people know that I I think Wiggins is a fun player. Um, You know, he doesn't really affect winning, but he's a fun player to watch. He hasn't even been fun this year to watch – um he's not maple jordan i'm calling him canada dry for the time being oh my god <laughs> so that's that's where he's at right now so good job andrew wiggins you are now canada dry and you are not refreshing you're not going to be my go-to if i'm on a plane so um isn't that weird like I, I pretty much get a canada dry only exclusively when i fly anybody else do that like oh ginger ale that sounds good i do I remember playing playing them like fifteen years. So when they were first invented, that's cool. Yeah. Um, much. <laughs> uh, okay. I guess that's my weird quirk. I mean, nothing quite washes down a pretzel like uh, ginger ale. So. That's um, true. That's true. Um. Okay. So Golden State's been kind of a. We didn't know. Eh. What are you? You still got Steph, and apparently he's like. One of the best players of all time? Maybe he could carry a team? No, Steph Curry nope. cannot carry a team. So yeah, that that kind of sucks.
1: Uh, and Draymond too.
2: Yeah. Um, and I mean oh, like, I,
1: I don't I don't mean that offensively, believe me, I don't. No. But he's still he's still a, a good player defensively to have on your team. And he's still a good a good defensive middle linebacker to have as far as your defensive coordinator on the floor um when you're out there so he's been out i so. mean
0: i mean one hall of famer in his prime who's been argued to be a transcendent generational type talent potentially a top 10 player of all time like you're getting zero sympathy for me when it was easy to beat True. up on the thunder after True. stealing kevin durant and then we're going at russell westbrook like Nah, you can kick rocks with that. You better, you better hold on to your legacy better than that, Steph Curry. 100%. You better carry a team on your own. So um, that's been kind of disappointing because I was hoping that they would be better. Um, but the Thunder have been really, really competitive. And this will be my segue now to us. Woo-hoo. Man, so we won game one in a game that we dominated and then had to hold on to. Lost game two by last second shot by uh by Spida, and then we could not retaliate with shea lost game three in a game where shea and a lot of guys played really good they they had really solid games it's just obviously the the depth and the sustained offense was apparent uh for the thunder here and a team a streaking team uh the best the team with the best record in the nba (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Orlando Magic were just too much for us to handle. So there's a lot, to, a lot of good to take away from our one and two record. Um, I'll, I'll start with you, Alex. What, what is the biggest surprise that you've seen for the Thunder? Uh, not, not maybe not just tonight, but just overall so far this season.
1: Um. So. So, my, I mean, my, my biggest surprise has been. I think not really a surprise. Like the thing is, like that first game. So okay, so my biggest surprise is whenever we have Horford and Hill out there, it's basically a replicate of what we had last year out there. You know, when you're talking about Chris Paul and and Gallinari and Stephen Adams, you know, it's just basically a replicate of that as far as two veterans that know how to play within a system. Um, And then three young guys that, you know, not necessarily outperforming their roles, but surprisingly, you know, can stick with most of the NBA. Um, So that's, you know, surprise number one. Surprise number two has been Dort. Dort has shown out as far as not just defensively, but as far as being somebody that offensively, you know, maybe that 30-point game, that 30-point game seven in the bubble was not uh, an anomaly. Maybe that's something that can happen from time to time with him. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: You know, and so I'm loving that. I'm loving that because I forgot who – I think it was uh, Justin Hick- Hickney or Hick- Hickey. Um, I think he put out – said something like, Lou Dort is the 460th highest-paid player in the NBA right now. That's you, stupid. Mind you – Mind you, there's only 450 active spots. So we're talking about, you know, probably there's 10 players who have been cut and are still getting paid that make more than uh, Lou Dort. So Frank Jackson? Yeah, something like that for Frank Jackson. No, Frank Jackson only gets 250, 250K. um, That was guaranteed to him. But, you know, you talk about guys that have been, you know, veterans probably that have been cut and haven't been signed by anybody um, that are still getting paid, you know he's he's making less than them and he's still in the league you know second year in the league so you know great find by Presty, but his his play has been awesome to start the season
0: we could end up looking at Lou Dort's contract and say he's the most egregiously underpaid player since Scotty Pippen
1: yeah definitely I, I yeah I said I said that last night too I said that last night in a tweet where Lou Dort is is working on on his best working on the way to being this generation Scotty Pippen of the best defender but egregiously over uh, underpaid
0: mhm and we got him for like three more years
1: yeah, yeah we got him for oh, we got him for two more after this one
0: that's crazy man that's so crazy yeah. like that dude like if he continues to play like this he's like a 20 million dollar guy definitely easily
1: no no right. if he if he, he plays like this let's say he averages 17 points if he averages 17 points and you're the best perimeter defender in the league, you're making 25 plus mm-hmm. easily.
0: Yeah, very, very true. Uh, Dylan, what is your uh, what is your biggest surprise for the Thunder so far this season?
2: Uh, before we move on, uh, I, I just want to say about Lou Dort. It would be a travesty to categorize. Categorize uh, Lou Door as a three and D player because that man has got a tight handle. Mm-hmm. Like some of the drives that he has had, like getting to the basket, and some of the finishes he's had, like that reverse he had tonight. Oh my god! Ridiculous.
0: At the end of the quarter, you're talking about like the end of the third quarter, I think it was. Yeah, hey, that was really nice. That
2: was, that was and, like-
1: not, and, and not just that, he has he has a little bit of ice water in his veins because he hit the three last night. Um, to put us up by one at the, you know, near the end of the fourth. And then I believe in the bubble, he had a couple shots there where, like, he's not scared of the moment. Like, he was going to take that shot to either win it or lose it at the end of game seven. It got blocked by Harden, but he was willing to take the shot. That's probably more than we can probably say about, you know, maybe somebody like Darius Baisley at this point in his career. Um, you know, so he, he's willing to take that shot. He's willing, you know, he's, He's almost out there, like, like, not conscious of the moment. And so, you know, it helps him out. It helps him out offensively.
0: So, I, I don't know. Did you guys listen to that interview that Chris Paul had with J.J. Reddick for their podcast, yeah. for J.J. Reddick's podcast?
1: I, I, I didn't.
0: So, they talked about Lou Dort. Lou Dort came up, and they talked about it. And he said, like, uh, Chris Paul said, Lou is my guy. Lou is a dog. Lou is going to work and work and work. I told, I had to tell him like, Hey man, keep your head up. I want you to shoot. I would get mad at him when he wouldn't shoot in that Houston series. Like if we lose a game because Lou Dort, you know, went 0 for five or 0 for six from three, then I can live with that because of everything else he does on the court. And so Chris Paul instilled that confidence in him as a rookie, as a guy in his spot in the league where a lot of like, I mean, Austin Rivers didn't even know who Lou Dort was before the playoffs. Like, that. it's insane. And now we've got this guy. He had 30 points in a game, seven. He's just scored 26 last night. Like, the guy, he he locks up the best the best perimeter guy on the other side, and he still has all this energy offensively and is always willing to shoot. He doesn't even second-guess it now. Some of that's definitely Lou Dort, but I've got to say, man, Chris Paul, like – the benefits of what he gave our organization last year, I think are going to reverberate for years to come.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's the that's the old man in the three podcast, if you want to check that out. Um, shout out JJ Reddick. Um, yeah. But no, also, uh, dang, I was going to say something else about Dort, and it's just gone now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you guys see that uh, video that Hollinger uh, posted? I mean, obviously it was in the game, but – um, Donovan Mitchell got switched up from Pokaszewski and Donovan Mitchell's like you could almost see him like metaphorically mm-hmm. licking his lips like I'm about to tear this dude up and he drove left and Dort just nonchalantly just swipes his hand and strips the ball <laughs> like with, with Give like, me that. like Give me that. the least amount of effort I've ever seen in a strip <laughs> he just takes that ball and goes all the way to the end and, and, and it has another ridiculous finish like I mean He's, uh, he, he's definitely improved uh, that aspect of his game so much from last year. So, yeah, um, yeah. I will admit I quietly, silently had my doubts about Lou, Lou's future just because I didn't know how his offensive game was going to develop. Um, but I'm happy to see that that, uh, that is uh, trending upwards. Um, as far as surprise goes, um, do you want me to do, like, a good surprise or a bad surprise?
0: I want you to do whatever your whatever your heart tells you to do. All right. Just follow your heart.
2: So I'm su- dramatic. I'm I'm surprised at I'm surprised we're not seeing in Darius Basley what we've seen in Leodor and Shea Gildas Alexander. Um, you know, he's had a couple good games. Like if you look at his stats, tonight hasn't Updated yet, so he's still averaging 12 points, 10 and a half rebounds. So, like, if you're just looking at the stats, like, yeah, that looks great, shooting 50% from the field, I think 33% from mm-hmm. three, like, you know, that's all solid. But tonight, I mean, he went three of 14, he was 0 of 04. Um, and honestly, I mean, he he looked he, he kind of looked lost out there. Um, you know, obviously, he shot 14 shots tonight. I think that I think that led the team in shot attempts. Let me let me look at that real quick. Yeah, that. He tied, a yeah, tied with Dort, yeah, tied blue Dort for the we with shot attempts in the game, and I, I appreciate that because I honestly didn't think he was looking for a shot enough in the first two games. So I think Baisley is trying, kind of going through like an identity crisis in um in terms of like kind of finding his role on this team, um, yeah. just because I Mache mean, is obviously the guy, and Dort is you know the quote unquote three and D guy, so. Bazley is, you know, he's this 6'9", uh, uber-athletic forward that can handle the ball, is has a lot of skill. He can do all these things. Um, it, it, it's just going to – I mean, obviously, it's a long season, but uh, I, I think he needs to be – I think he needs to have more opportunity to kind of create for himself and his teammates. Um, it, you kind of saw, like, a glimpse of that. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I tweeted uh, – I was tweeting for the Daily Thunder account there was a nice two-man game going on for about a minute and a half with Darius Baisley and Isaiah Roby, where mm-hmm. Darius Baisley was creating for Roby out of the pick and roll, and I think they got like six points out of it. So um, that's obviously an aspect of the game that he has, and I think that it would uh, kind of make him more comfortable out there on the court. But, yeah, I'm I'm shocked we haven't seen him kind of take a jump like we've seen Dorit and Shea.
0: So – I'll I'll transition with that just a little bit. You talked about the two man game, with him and Roby. Man, Rob, Roby, Roby, man, like that guy came out of Bobby. a ruby rack. Um, that guy balled out tonight, and he came kind of out of nowhere. Right? We're like, yeah, hey, what's up with this Roby dude? Like, maybe. He's got a spot on a roster, maybe not. What's up with him? He ends up getting the start tonight, right? Mm-hmm. He started at the five. Yep. Um, I think most of that is kind of a carryover from what we saw last year from Donovan now with, with uh with Coach Dagnall. It's it's hey, you kind of if you got a got a guy or two move in the starting roster. You bring up somebody that's kind of further down the depth chart to fill that spot and keep the reserves intact, um, just because mm. of their chemistry and stuff. Like, so Roby got a full jump up, um, really interesting. I mean, he 28 minutes, nine to 12 from the field, one of two from three, oh, for three, missed all three of his free throws at one time after getting yeah. like throat punched or whatever, uh, shooting at the top of the key, four boards or uh, four offensive rebounds, excuse me, which is awesome. It shows the energy on that end. Three defensive for seven total. One steal and two blocks for him. Um, 19 points. Pretty complete game for him. Wasn't really out of place. A lot of energy. I mean, it's like Kenrick Williams, uh, who only played 10 minutes tonight, bottled up all of his energy and gave it to Isaiah Roby. Um, Roby was just all over the court, and he was – Pretty efficient. Had the play he shot well. The offense, the offense flowed through him, and the dude could cross you over without even taking a dribble yet. Like what? Oh my gosh! Vucevic like is still picking himself up off the floor right now. He went full. Dylan, home tell back. me, tell me about this play. Tell oh, me about this play by Roby.
2: It was great, man. He got it out there on the top of the key. Just gave him a little jab step, and Vucevic. Um, he acted like he got shot with a sniper from about 500 feet out. Uh Roby proceeded to drive in the lane and just give him a nice little one-handed cop back dunk uh, for the explanation point. Oh, and it
0: it was like – it was so emphatic. The If there would have been fans there, like Loud City would have been rocking at that point. It was a close game too, right? Yeah, like, that could have turned the game around if
2: we was trying to win the game.
0: Like that was a huge, huge play. And he like – He had somewhat of a smirk, like running back down the court, but he wasn't like really showing how jacked. I'm sure he was feeling on the inside after doing that play, but it's kind of hard to (laughs) rope. I mean, it's such a baby face like tower. Oh my God. Oh, my. like you see Tyler heroes, like kid pictures. And I'm like, was that taken last week? Like what's, what's up with that? Um, These Instagram thoughts are throwing themselves after this dude. Like, can he even like vote yet? Like, what's up with this kid? Um, Shay has been awesome for us. All three games. Shay's Shay's done a lot of really good things for us. Shay is that dude now, right? When the game breaks down, when we got to get a bucket, when the whole defense is paying attention to him, Shay is that dude. And... Here's the crazy thing. The guy shot 80% from the field tonight. He only took 10 shots. He needed to take more. He needs so much I mean, more. he needed to take about 10 more.
2: Yes. He had three shots in
0: the first half. He was three for three at halftime. Uh, three for three from three-pointer, four for five from the free throw line. Oh, seven boards, seven assists. Yes, five turnovers, but he's handling the ball all the time when he's in now. Like, I mean, Shay, like, you just see it, right? You see it. It's like he's he's on the cusp of really, like, people know about him, but he's on the cusp of really making a name for himself with all that he's doing. I mean, he hit the game winner. It was all over socials against the the Hornets he almost mm-hmm. did the same thing it just rolled off with his uh, layup finish against the the Jazz last night and whenever he was shooting whenever he was aggressive and assertive tonight he was getting pretty much anything and everything he wanted it almost seemed as if he deferred to other people on purpose to allow them chances to to do work it was kind so, of weird to me yeah. in that regard
1: it, it almost seems like that's going to be his next development is there. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, there's two parts to it. So number one, like yesterday, he, there were, there were times where he was forcing the issue. So he was struggling yesterday a little bit. Um, and so there were times where he was forcing the issue, got into some sticky situations where he either led to a turnover or led to like a offensive foul or just a bad shot. Um, and so, you know, on on one end of it, he has to kind of learn during those situations to let the game come to him. But secondly, his next development point is going to be, you know what? You are the man on this team and you do need to be a little bit selfish at times. And if that selfishness means, you know, you're taking more than 10 shots because you know, they're not wide open shots, then, then it is what it is. Um, and so tonight, what we saw, I think, was the opposite of that, is he needed to take more shots. He needed to take more advantage of the offense um, and, and get more shots up. But those are going to be the two points, I think, um, that he needs to develop to be a lead, a lead player
2: in this league.
0: Yeah. So, Dylan – what? Oh, go ahead. I was going to ask, what are your thoughts on Shay since he's your boy?
2: Oh, absolutely, man. Uh, I, I've been very pleased with Shea. Um, You know, obviously, his big thing the first two games is he was kind of struggling with the three-point shot. Um, I think he made one in both of
0: his games. Um, he was like one of seven last night, I think. I'm yeah,
2: and, and you know, I mean, that was that's not like the strength of Shay's game. So like, obviously that's something we want to see develop. And I think it will develop, you know, it's just going to take some time. Um, because a lot of his threes last year, um, you know, was being created for him off, you know, shooter drives and dishes and Chris Paul driving dishes. Like he's having to learn how to not only become a guy that shoots five, six threes a game. It's a guy that shoots five or six games off of your own move. Um, so I, I think that's going to take a little bit of adjustment. But um, what I really like seeing is I, I I think he looks quicker, man. Like, I mean, last year the, the thing with Shea is, like, you know, he's not super fast. He's not super quick. He's not super athletic. He's just slippery. He's got a nice start stop ability, and that's how he gets to the rim. But when I see him out there on the perimeter with his, uh you know, and, you know, the defense tries to check him, like, in the pick and roll. Like, the quickness with his dribbles, I, I mean, it just looks so much quicker than it did last year. But I kind of think he's taking a step there. And I, I think a lot of his struggles, you know, like like Alex. I mean, you saw me. I Palm, when you said he had 10-shot attempts. Like, I wanted him to shoot more, especially with him having as good of a night as he was having. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Magic was sending double teams at him every chance they could, um, especially out of the pick and roll. He was being chased by two guys for most of the night. Um, but what impressed me the most is he didn't look rattled. He looked comfortable. He looked in control. He was creating out the double team. He was scoring off the double team. He was forcing fouls off the double team. Like, I mean, he he looked great tonight. Um, you know, it had it been another opportunity for him to go take another game win a bucket, I have all the confidence in the world for him to take it because, well, like you said, Maddie, like, the residuals of Chris Paul on this team, like we're going to feel for years and years. Um, That game-winning bucket Mm -hmm. for the Hornets, like that is a tailor-made Chris Paul shot. In and out, cross-up, stop and pop in the mid-range money, that is – that's Chris Paul to a tee. So, yeah, I'm I'm loving – I'm loving what I'm seeing from Shea. Um, The all-around game, you know, every game he has like six, seven – assist, eight nine rebounds, and then I, I think he's what what did he have tonight? He had 23. 23 like, what, what do you have last last game like twenty-two or something like that and he had twenty-nine in the first game. So you know yeah. he, he he's kinda around that twenty-five points per game right now. So uh that's what I want to see from Shay. I'm I'm excited uh, about the growth and development that I'm seeing and uh, I, I think it's just gonna get better from here man.
0: I what I really like so I mean, he's not like explosive in the way that like Russell Westbrook's explosive, Yeah, no. but it does seem like he's worked on getting his first step quicker. Oh yeah. And his handles a little tighter. Uh, he's not as exposed. Um, and he's able to actually like have secondary moves when he's getting into the lane. It almost seemed like, yeah, he was crafty, but when you watched him enough last year, you, I kind of was able to anticipate like where he's going He's really, really tight right now when he's in the lane. It's, like, not loose. And I think also part of it, the guy, like, he's built. Like, that guy shredded Mm -hmm. himself up this offseason. I mean, if, like, if your washing machine breaks, like, you could probably, like, wash your shirt on his stomach. (laughs) You know, like, the guy is ridiculous right now. And I think he built himself up to be that dude and take that beating – over the course of a long season by having to constantly take that contact in the paint and take it and take it, take it. What I'm frustrated with, it's like, he is on the cusp of becoming a star. He's not getting any of the star calls though. Like the guy, the guy gets, gets killed in, in the paint a lot. And we don't, we don't get to see him go to the line enough. Um, Hopefully that eventually comes as he makes more of a name for himself and the refs, I mean, you could say what you want to about the NBA. The refs do give the benefit of the doubt to the star player. When he goes into the lane, if he's in control and the ball's, like, not even close to, like, hitting the rim, like, okay, well, he probably took a little bit of contact there, you know? Um, you you just kind of see that. Hopefully, like, that's the next, like, in his bag is being able to get to the line more. Not maybe like James Harden, but, like, it would be nice uh, for efficiency and all those things to see that happen but Shea certainly looks the part in the first three games of being being a guy uh, a potential best player on a championship team or second best like definitely one of the the main core pieces of a championship contender moving forward we probably need one or two more good players around him uh via the tank but man like the future looks pretty stinking good with, with the, the core that we've got. If we get anything from Teo or Pokashevsky moving forward, we're going to be a problem in the next, like, three years, for sure. And most of that is because of the potential that Shea has. Honestly, I can't tell you what his ceiling is. Um, is there anybody else that's really stood out to you in the first three games that we haven't talked about? Mike Musicals. <laughs> yes. So Robert can you talk Trump. about can you talk about musicals, please? Man,
2: I mean he just I mean he, he just comes in and drains shots, man. I mean there there was one point when I was tweeting, I was like Shea she, she, Gildas Alexander has not missed a shot yet. Then he missed a shot. And then I was like, oh wait, Mike Muscala has not missed a shot either. And I started doing it with him and he missed it too um stop tweeting later later on in the game i tweeted dwayne bacon hasn't missed a shot and he missed his next shot so you're welcome (laughs) um but no man it was uh, a it's fun to see like you know we didn't really get this opportunity to see muscala kind of cook off the bench last year because he was not behind just steven adams He was behind everyone's noel um he was kind of like a a a utility piece off the bench if you will but he has that backup five spot locked up now um on this team and he's getting all kinds of opportunities and all kinds of shots and Mike Muscala if we want to move him I mean I don't know Sam Presti went all the way to Minnesota to recruit this guy if we want to move him I think we can get a first round pick for him
0: so I'll stick with that that for a minute um Everybody it's no it's no secret that that Presti has in the past had a tight. And Alex and I kind of talked about this uh on the pod earlier where it was just like the long the long lengthy athletic guys that can guard multiple spots but can't shoot a lick. Presti went like he flew to Minnesota so that he could sign Muscala at midnight <laughs> because he knew that Muscala has the ability to stretch the floor and to shoot mm-hmm. the 3 and and to do do a lot uh, to really open up space on offense. Mm. So like the whole mindset that Presti is almost avoiding shooters, like the plague, like maybe that needs to go by the wayside. Maybe we need to give Presti uh, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and just say, maybe he was trying to build around his, uh, his all-star, his all NBA type talents. Okay. I-
2: imagine Muskawa. Imagine Mike on
0: the wrestle West brick team. team
2: <laughs> uh, well yeah, imagine and Ah. <laughs>
0: uh. yo yeah alex what do you what are you thinking
1: no, I mean I like it like like yesterday i put out I put out a tweet during the game I was like this was, this was the team that this was the offense that we needed five years ago, and this was the center that we needed five years ago. Uh, when we're talking about Al Horford. But if you want to go ahead and substitute Al Horford and not necessarily put Muscala in there as a starter, but put Muscala in there as a piece in the rotation,
2: mm-hmm.
1: oh, I mean that would have been killer, man. That would have been just – it would have been amazing. But, you know, five years too late type thing, you know, yeah. when, it comes, when it comes to the players that we've seen come through this team this offseason as far as a Oubre, as far as, you know, a, a Danny Green, a – uh, James Johnson, play, you know players like that. Trevor Ariza, who would have looked great with a Durant and Westbrook uh, led team. Um, you know it, it just sucks, and then this offense. But then again, you have to kind of think about it and say, would would Westbrook have allowed this type of offense to to fully come to fruition? Um, and I don't, I don't think he would have. As much as I love what you know Westbrook, I also know his faults and I know his warts. And I don't think that this offense, he would have, you know, he would have allowed it to, 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 to blossom. Like it should have.
0: That's a point. That is a point. I don't, I don't know the answer to that, honestly. Um, I do know a player like Danilo Gallinari was the perfect mm. guy to put next to Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And we just never had a chance to really get him. We thought like, we thought Abaka could have been that with less of a shot and a lot more defensive chops. And he he was good, but he wasn't, like, that dude. Yeah. Ugh, tough. He, Pain. Was, he
2: was no Isaiah Roby.
0: He was no Isaiah Roby. That is a fact. <laughs> For better or worse, he was not Isaiah Roby. Um, okay, uh, real quick, any thoughts on, on, uh, new coach, Mark Dagnall? Love the offense.
1: Love the offense. Love, you know, he's, he, I think he's going to be a, a good coach and I think he's going to be a coach in this league for a long time.
2: Yeah. He's a guy that kind of practices what he, what he preaches. I mean, he talks all about pace and space and his, uh, um, mm-hmm. I guess his hiring press conference and, you know, we, we've seen that come to fruition. So, uh definitely love seeing that this day and age, um, kind of, you know, defense to offense, stuff like that. And, um, you know, he seems to trust, you know, Shea to make the right decision. Um, you know, he put the ball in his hands um, at both, you know, in both games and those late game situations. Uh, and, yeah, I, I, I enjoy Mark Dignall a lot more than I did Billy Donovan right now. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Like, we're a developing team. A lot of guys need minutes in order to develop. He is the player development guy, Mm -hmm. especially with his time on the blue. Listen to these minutes for us real quick. Uh, Jackson, 29 minutes. Roby, 28 minutes. Baisley, 29. Shea Gildas-Alexander, 33. Dort, 29. Muscala had 19. Pokashevsky or Muscala had 20. Pokashevsky had 19 maladon had 20 kenrick williams had 10 and hamadu diallo as kind of our de facto backup point guard had 22 minutes all and had 49 seconds just had to throw that out there one minute they rounded it up but yeah like there was Josh a whole
1: sighting yeah.
0: um so <laughs> and he managed to be a negative one <laughs> plus minus because um so really funny there but that's a pretty even distribution of minutes kind of across the board. As high, you know, for our main rotational guys, as high as 33 for, for Shea and as low as 19 for Pokashevsky. Pukush, uh, if you don't really yeah. count uh, Williams in there. Like, bro, that's pretty even. Even Steven uh, for a bunch of guys that are developing and need time. So in a game that we potentially could have played, Our guys 38 to, you know, plus minutes are young cats to get a win? No, he's not sacrificing development for a potential win tonight. He still wants to be competitive, but I think he sees the long-term things at play. So that makes me feel really good about where he, where his mindset is as a coach, where our organization's mindset is as far as giving him a long leash, right? They understand it's supposed to be a, a tough process. So there's no pressure on him to like play all the best players and get every possible win. And that makes me feel good because like the tank is a thing we can be competitive and we could still quote unquote tank at the same time. Like they don't have to be mutually exclusive. I've had a lot of fun watching basketball the last two nights with mm-hmm. the thunder and they both resulted in wins and I feel just fine. Well, so, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'll, t- I'll give all, give me all the L's. All the L's. But in re- That's fine. In
1: reality, in reality, there are wins for a future.
0: There are big wins for a future. Huge wins yeah, for a future.
1: Like, like this is a, a competitive tank. Like, you know, this front office has done a great job. Preston done a, freight, a, a great job of, of, of being of this being a meaningful tank. Like he doesn't want to use that word tank, and I understand that, you know, but I I would not have lo- I would not have liked to be a part of or, or a fan of the process sixers. Because that was Heck literally, no. yeah, that was literally your front office trying to completely not try to win anything, not try to progress anything. They just wanted to get number one picks year after year after year. Um, this organization has made it an effort to to have to have their young players play um, but also put number one meaningful meaningful bets around them, um, which you know we're using these bets for what we're using them for you know we're hopefully going to get you know assets from them but at the same time while they're here you know we're we're having them be a part of the team we're having them play heavy minutes we're having them you know out there with the young guys and teaching the young guys and, and showing them situations and so you know I, I'm a hundred I'm percent happy with us not losing every game I know there's people that You know, for this tank, they don't want us to win any games as far as, you know, trying to get trying to up our odds to get the number one pick. You know, if we happen to go and win 25 games and that keeps us, you know, at the number five spot in the draft, but we develop our players, I'm okay with that. You know, this is a draft that, you know, at number five, we can still get a pretty good player. It may not be Cade. It may not be Jalen Suggs, but we can still get a pretty good player. Um, and so I'm, I'm 100% thankful that this organization has carried its, its characteristics and its qualities, not just from a winning standpoint when they were winning games, but also as they are progressing and replenishing and, you know, refurbishing their roster, um, you know, keeping that competitiveness up because it's good to see that It's good to see competitive games as a fan.
0: So there, there are two more topics I like to to shift to uh, on this episode. You talked about those veterans, right? So you're talking about Hill. You're talking about potentially Muscala. You're most certainly talking about Horford. Like those guys make our team better. With the young guys' development that we're seeing, right? They certainly could use those guys on the floor to help with spacing, to help you know game situations, all those things, right? I get that. Do those players, Dylan, I'll start with you. Those veterans with our young guys, is our roster as currently constructed too good to quote-unquote tank?
2: Our roster as constructed is not too good to tank. Our starting lineup as constructed, too good to tank. Uh, I I think Shea, George Hill, Lou Door, Darius Basley, Al Horford, that is a solid starting lineup. Um, in, in the NBA.
0: I mean, you know, we playoff caliber, right?
2: Yeah. I mean yeah. I mean, especially with the play in stuff going on, like easily. Um I mean just the spacing in that lineup, I mean, Dort's really your biggest problem and he's shown the ability to, you know, hit threes at this point. Uh, you got two technically technically four ball handlers, uh, with Dort, Hill, Baisley, Shea. um, and then you know, you're pretty switchable because Horford, you know, he's he's a little bit older, but, you know, he can still, you know, switch on the pick and roll and, you know, get a hand up in a shooter's face and kind of uh, force him whatever way he wants to go. So, I mean, it's a great starting lineup. And I just got to say, man, like, I think over the years, I kind of, I guess, stopped paying attention to George Hill. That dude's an absolute bucket. Like forget like he shot 46% from three last year and he's already shooting ridiculously from three this year. Like just driving to the rim and the angles he's able to take layups at and hit at his age. Like dude is a bucket.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think, I think he's, he's definitely not going to be on a roster after the Mm -hmm. trade deadline. There's some veteran team that's going to see that nine point five million dollar contract and be like, "Yep, give me that guy because he can move the needle for us for sure in our second unit." Or if like your starter is banged up and you need, you know, you need him to be kind of a de facto starter or whatever, like I that guy can play, and he's not going to limit you on either end of the floor either. So, man, Hill is yeah, I've I've overlooked him a lot, uh, just because like I, I just have. Yeah. But the guy is, the guy's been really freaking good already um, showing his merit, and I think he's like he makes a bucket and I'm just like, man, yeah, but no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like you could miss a shot eventually, dude. it's okay. <laughs> We're not going to be mad at you. Uh, Matt tyranny, uh, thanks for that tweet that definitely gave me a laugh uh, the other night for sure, with Hill so and Horford. So Horford only scored like three points in game one, but the guy, he was three of seven from three, five boards, four assists, a steal against Utah, like filling up the stat sheet, doing all the things he needed to do.
2: Keeping Gobert away from the paint.
0: I mean, he's awesome, man. Horford is just, he's really good. And I think he could really offer a lot to a veteran uh, team that's really making a push. Do you think that he is on a roster after the trade deadline
2: that's That's hard to say just because he's still got just a ridiculous contract um, yeah. it It just depends how desperate that team is and how how much they want to improve that position.
1: Yeah, that definitely like twenty-seven and a half million. That's uh, there's not a lot of teams, or especially contending teams, that have something, have contracts, or have TPEs that will fit. You know, that there's you one. Know, there's one. It's <laughs> Boston. You know, but uh, you know, you, you're gonna have you're gonna have a a Chris Paul situation definitely where you may have to wait a year. You know, you may have to wait into the offseason um, and then kind of start to package that together maybe with, you know, like draft picks and things like that to get it to work. But, but yeah, definitely, you know, you're not going to find too many teams that are able to take on that. Too many contending teams that can take on that contract. Now the $9 million from George Hill, whew, that is easy peasy lemon squeezy right there.
2: Might cause a bit more. I like it. Give oh. me
0: your first rounder. Uh, let's go. What you know? Up?
2: What you, you
1: know? What like? Like I, I like Spencer Dinwiddie, and it sucks that he tore his ACL again because I think this is the second time he's torn his ACL. Um, but I mean, if if Brooklyn thinks they can contend this year, and you know, Dinwiddie was a, a big part of their rotation, you know, number one their ability probably to get James Harden is out the window now because they can't trade Dinwiddie um, in that trade. And if they do trade them, they're going to have to probably do like a Paul George type situation where they give up all their draft picks from here to 2027. Um, but a pretty good alternative is George Hill. So, you know, Stephen Dolan, he put out a, a trade that said, Hey, give us Torian Prince your 2021 first rounder let's say top three protected and we'll call it a deal.
0: Yeah. Too easy. Um, What were you going to say,
2: Dylan? Uh, I was just saying, uh, speaking of bidding wars, um, can we, can we talk about the whole James Harden trade thing? Uh, Dolan, you know, speaking of Dolan, he tweeted about it. Um, The, the rumor is, you know, the three teams that are in it for Harden are the Rock – or obviously the Rockets, they have Harden. The Heat, the Nets – or no, not the Nets. What was it? No, yeah, no, it was the Sixers. The Sixers, yes, thank you. The Heat, the Sixers, and then the Nuggets. Like, they're all trying to uh-huh. get James Harden. And in order for them to sweeten the pot, so to speak, to mm-hmm. get James Harden, they would have to um, talk to the Thunder to get the protections removed – so they can yep. deal another first round pick. And so Dolan it was like got, I, I forgot how he exactly worded it. It was it was very tricky wording, but basically teams are gonna have to get into a bidding war to decide who is going to make our pick better for or their pick for us better in order to make the Houston Rockets team worse and we yeah. have their pick for the future like it i mean do uh, I, I i tweeted something stupid like Pressy's playing like 16 d chess or no i said 16 d cones of dunshire like that's how far <laughs> to the future he's he's seen he is the accountant play out. yeah like yeah. It's, it's ridiculous man yeah like if you look at
1: philly so they have you know they have a whole bunch of protections on their 2025 pick that that we got that they gave us in the Al Horford trade they would have to take that away in mm-hmm. order to be able to deal their 2027 first yeah you know you you look at who was the other teams in there you look at uh, a Denver yeah. yep yeah so Denver we have what pick do we have of Denver's we have their what, oh, we we have, so we, we, yeah we got we it in the
0: Stephen Adams deal
1: yeah, that's right. So it was, it was their first via New Orleans in the, in mm-hmm. the Stephen Allen thing. It was like 2020 or 2024, I think it is. And so they have protections on that that go all the way out to like 2026, 2027. Um, it's it just, hey, man, like when you deal with half the league, you're, you're going to get situations like this. And it's a beautiful thing, man. And, and let's not even talk about Miami.
2: Yeah.
1: Miami, oh, you, know, they, yeah. you know, their 2023 pick for us. It's lottery protected until 2026, or until 2025, and then it's unprotected in 2026. So we got that on lock for those three years. So yeah, definitely, man. Give us unprotect our pick, and then give us you know another asset. Give it as a second rounder here or there, and we'll go for it.
2: Yeah, but it, but then you got the bidding war of like okay. So so this guy wants me to unprotect their pick, but you also want me to unprotect their pick. So what are you going to give me
0: an incentive to (laughs) unprotect
2: your pick over this guy?
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, Sam Leverage Presti. You're not going to convince me otherwise that his middle name is, is anything but leverage. (laughs) Like it's, it's, that is completely and totally his middle name.
1: Uh, Around the league. His middle name is effing. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Sam effing Presty. Ah, uh, Gah What? What? So what's say, up? What's
1: up?
0: What's up, up honey? One
1: more thing. Can I, can There's a call from thing?
0: the 405. <laughs> oh, it's Sam Presty. What's up? What's your one more thing?
1: No, so i was kind of going back to like the Thunder and things like that. Um, so I want to I want to touch on Pokuchesky real quick. And yeah, this-
0: so that that's going to be my last topic. So we'll, well go okay, ahead and cool. What, what do you guys think of our rookies, uh, so, the, the rookies up to this point? Go ahead and start, Alex. So, Pogoszewski, so a lot of people think,
1: you know, oh, you know, this guy's going to be classic bust. He hasn't scored a point. He actually scored a point this game,
2: you know, but – Two of them.
1: The, two of them, yeah. But oh, two this guy, of them. He hasn't been able to score a bucket in the first two games. But I will say this. I know it's only been three games, but he has progressed – significantly in each game as far as comfort, as far as ability to, you know, kind of like to know what to do in a situation and not just jack up a shot. Like, yeah, he hasn't made, he didn't make the shots. He was 0 for 6 in the Charlotte game. Um, you know, he was 0 for, I believe, 4 um, in yesterday's game. Uh, but number one, his his four shots in yesterday's game were a lot better as far as when to take them. Um, and then secondly, He has the ability to do a whole bunch of other things. Like, this guy, when he's around a rebound, he grabs it. Um, Today he had, what was it, three assists or four assists?
2: Three assists. Uh,
1: Like, I believe once he gets very comfortable and he's able to score points, you know, like six, seven points per game, he could possibly have a game where he gets close to a triple-double this season um, because of his ability to – handle the ball because of his ability to rebound. You know, his length allows him to rebound pretty easily. Um, So I I do think he's progressing. And I think, you know, it has to be said 100% of the time, he is the youngest player in the league. And so if you take, a you know, basically take a person right out of high school and put him in the NBA, outside of LeBron James, you're going to have growing pains. And these are the growing pains. It's going to look ugly at first, you know, and this is what we're seeing. But I truly believe that Pokaszewski has so much just otherworldliness as far as his talent, as far as his his potential, um, that I think he will eventually, this season, start to look like the player that he will become in the future. Um, Now, looking at Maladon real quick, um, Maladon, again, he, he kind of, he kind of, Set himself up for failure with that performance against San Antonio in the first game of the mm. of the preseason, um, but he's been steady, man. He's been steady. He gets in there, um, and he you know he handles the rock. He he distributes well. He shoots it well. And I think as as his minutes increase and has as his comfort level increase, you know you're going to see performances like you did in San Antonio from time to time. Um, so, you know I'm 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 very impressed with are rookies and I'm very glad that they're on a team that has the ability to allow them to play. You know, if this would have been a if this would have been a, a Russell Westbrook team, you know, they would have been relegated to a fifteenth guy off the bench and playing in the G League. You know, but on this team they're able to play every single game um, and, and learn the game as quickly
2: as possible. Dylan. Uh, yeah, I'm going to start with Teo. Uh, I really like Teo. Uh, I, I just think he's, uh, you know, Tony Parker's his mentor, and you can really see that in this game. Uh, he, yeah. He's he's basically basically the reincarnation of Tony Parker. Um, obviously, he's got a lot of growing to do in terms of, you know, just learning the NBA game and playing the NBA speed. But uh, dude has no fear. I mean, he drove in on like three people um, in, in, at one point in this game. And, um on the fast break, and he was able to finish on them um i mean he he's able to shoot he's a confident shooter um you know and he runs the offense with confidence so uh, I really like tayo pokshesky i mean it's it's hard to say that i'm I'm pleased or impressed with him <laughs> just because if there was anybody in the group that was skeptical about him in the draft pick as a draft pick, it was me like it me um so, a lot of my worries are, like, kind of coming to fruition. I will say, though, he has a better feel for the game than I, uh, I guess I realized. Uh, he he looks very comfortable kind of handling the ball out there, uh, sometimes a little bit too comfortable. <laughs> um, he, he was that behind-the-back pass. I've never seen a seven-footer that was passing the ball behind oh his back more. But, um, no, he, he looked good. I mean, he uh, he created a shot out of the pick-and-roll. I think it was Muscala, which Pokosheski, mm-hmm. Muscala,
0: pick and roll. Like, whoever thought that was that was going to be a thing. But, it was the James Harden type of, like, backwards, like, behind the back pass to the top of the key to Muscala. Yeah, yeah it was pretty.
2: Yeah, and then um he had another one. Uh, somebody was rolling. I can't remember if it was Moose or Roby or who it was. But, I mean, it, it was also a nice pass. It was one of those, like, angled overhead two-handed pass. That uh, just zips right through the defenders. Um, I mean, confidence is not an issue for the dude. I mean, like you said, I mean, he's, I think, one of 18 in his first three NBA games. He went one of eight tonight. Uh, dude, Dude's going to get his shots up. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, he's a young guy. This is a team that uh, is willing to, kind of be patient and let these players grow and develop. So he's in a good situation. Um, obviously he's seven foot, so he's able to rebound the ball pretty well for his position. Um, you know, if he can show that he can be a solid scorer off the bench, then I'll, I'll start to be more happy. But right now I still have my – still have a few reservations.
0: And I will very, not call uh, him Poku. Very understandable. Um so my, my thoughts, Tao, he just looks like a veteran out there that just can't quite find a shot yet early in the season. But he doesn't look like a rookie. Like, Teo doesn't look like a rookie out there. He looks like he's been in the NBA for several years now. Like, the offense doesn't stagnate at all. Um, very confident where, the, where it should go. High basketball IQ. Basically, all the things that we kind of thought, you know, what we, what we saw in the exhibition has been true in the regular season it's just like i like to see a shot fall he was one for five from three tonight nice form it's just not falling i think one of them was like in and out (laughs) i i thought it was like three quarters of the way down and it just Mm -hmm. popped out but um it's fine eventually those shots are going to fall he's going to regress to the mean there he's a really good shooter so um i i are positive regression there for him in that regard i do think Poku, as the season, uh, I will call him Poku, uh, as the season progresses, if he's not completely beaten into the infirmary, he's going to be uh, able to pick and choose his spots in which to shoot even better. I think right now he's just kind of in a sea ball shoot-ball mode a lot of the time, trying to kind of prove his worth out there on the court. But when his shot's not falling, he is still finding ways to positive, positively impact the game. I really like his ability to rebound despite his slender frame. He's using his length extremely well. He's able to track the ball off the rim extremely well and get into the right position. So I'm, I'm really impressed with that. You're seven foot in the NBA. You're absolutely going to have to rebound. If you do nothing else, absolutely nothing else. You got to affect shots in the paint and you have to rebound. Just use that link like that. That's what your link gets you automatically. And he's doing at least that, right? So that proves that he can stay on the floor and contribute a little bit. Um, The defense will come. Guys still want to attack him, but as long as Lou Dort is there on the floor with him, uh, some of that might be mitigated a bit. I'm really excited to watch 17 grow. I'm really excited to see his shots start falling consistently. He had one go in, but there was an off ball. uh, I want to say like screen, like a backdoor screen or some action away from the ball that that was a foul tonight. And his shot was just butter and it didn't count. That was really frustrating. I think it happened another time too in the game. So eventually he'll get his first three, but I'm more bullish uh, on Pokaszewski than Dylan and that's fine. But I, I I definitely see I see flashes of what Presty saw and why Presty moved up to get uh, Pokashevsky with that Wolves pick. He had two blocks tonight too. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's good, man. There, he's, he's 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 a good good player for so, his age for sure.
2: Something I thought was funny. Um, I, I I made note of this in the preseason, his first game. He got the rebound, and he kind of waved off Maladon and Shea yeah. when he was going for yeah. to it Tonight, Teo got the rebound, and he kicked it up to Pokaszewski to kind of initiate the offense. And I was like, <laughs> that's weird.
0: That's a little weird. Seeing so the point guard throw it to the seven-footer to run the offense? That's yeah. a little weird. But he, he's I, I, comfortable with the ball, man. Yeah. Go ahead, Alex.
1: No, No, I was going to say, so, you know – if you, if you watch the game, he's always the first one to help one of his fellow teammates get up off the floor. And so, I mean, when, when you're looking at, at a young player, like seeing stuff like that, like he's bought in. You know, this guy's bought yeah. in. You know, you saw the little gif with him, like kind of dancing at, at practice after hitting a shot. Like this guy, he, he's, he's bought in, and he's going to be great for this team, I think, and this team's going to be great for him.
2: I, he, to, is, go ahead. I was just saying. To be fair, I mean, he's he's he, talking about picking low hanging fruit. He was in a three point shooting contest with Hamdou Diaw. Like, come on now.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, man, but like, but still, man, like, uh, dang, if he would have gone one year to Kentucky, you would be all over him.
2: No, there's yes, plenty of people. Would. There's plenty of people have come through Kentucky that, that that are on my poop list. Don't 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 you worry about that. Name me one. Daniel Wharton was one that was on my poop list and he was highly touted coming out of high school and college.
1: Daniel Orton hasn't played since I only had two kids in my household.
2: Exactly. <laughs> and he looked more like you an Indian turtle than rest of Rick ever did.
0: You got a you got a bushel of children now, so that shows yeah, you how old <laughs> how long ago that was. Um any more thoughts on the season that we haven't covered thus far.
1: It does not matter how bad it gets for the thunder. We can always take light in the fact that we likely will never lose a game by 51.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh. That's a shot at way off P by the way. Uh, who had oh to play without God. Kawhi Leonard, and they got absolutely smoked the other day. They were down by 50 at halftime. I've never seen that before. Never happened. 77 to 27. Holy crap. Like, Ballmer was breaking things, I'm sure, by the end of the first quarter.
1: Uh, As as our good friends at DTD would say, third in the MPP voting.
2: It's
0: pretty cool. (laughs) Pretty pretty damn cool. cool.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I just got one thing to say before we close out here. Um, Obviously, you know, we're all Thunder fans here. Um, uh-huh. You know, some people are all aboard the tank, you know, favourite, for Cade, you know, try to get a top five pick. Like you understand, like, this is a strategy. It's not a losing mentality. Um, don't get mad at somebody for, you know, wanting the team to tank and go in this direction uh, for success in the future. And we won't get mad at you for being stuck in your ways and, you know, wanting this team to be mediocre for the next decade. <laughs>
0: i mean here's the thing like we're all thunder fans and the the goal is to win a championship Mm -hmm. we all want to win a championship so bad especially like in a new era if we win a championship with our new era of thunder basketball then that almost like gives us a complete fresh start and i'm not saying it's not like the what could have been with the first era didn't happen but it's like, we can move on, right? Like, it's like, okay, like we've won the first, we've won that one. This generation's got it. Now we can like appreciate the previous decade, love all those guys and be completely all in on the next generation and not have to carry the wounds of what could have been if we didn't trade James Harden, right? Like, like that's a thing. And every Thunder fan feels that pain. Every Thunder fan wants us to win that first championship so we can almost put all that to bed. Yeah. One way or another. There there are multiple ways that an organization can get there, but the best and highest probability that a team like the Thunder gets there is through acquiring all stars, superstar hunting, as they as uh Alex Schlecht uh call or uh Andrew they call him. Andrew Schlecht, excuse me. Long freaking day. Andrew Schlecht. <laughs> um has said superstar hunting is a way to avoid saying tanking like that's just the that's just the way that it goes we have potential to get one in this draft whether we're drafting first second third fifth sixth potentially in this draft and with the the leveling of the odds it's not guaranteed we're drafting first if we have the worst record but that certainly helps our odds the best, right? Mm-hmm. We're all going to be kind of victims of the, of the ping pong balls and wherever they fall, and that's just the way it goes. But us, us being competitive and losing games is for our benefit overall. I'm going to root the team on. If we win, that's great. Good for the young guys. Build that momentum. Build your confidence. If we lose, that's also great. Give us a better chance to get those young guys help so that we can go bring a championship to Oklahoma city
2: it's a win win for maddie moles
0: i'm um, I'm just eating w's all over the place now i am am I'm. and we still won't, and
1: we still won't lose by fifty one
0: and we still won't lose by fifty one and if we lose by fifty one it's all Alex's oh well fault. <laughs> it, it's all roys yeah. it's it's alex roy's fault so any other thoughts guys before we wrap this thing up
1: glad to have the nba back
2: glad
0: to have it back
2: uh i I just want to say um you know i'm not gonna make a big deal out of it but if you follow us on twitter i mean i'm sure you're aware of my situation i just want to say i appreciate all the love support and prayers that uh Everybody sent our way. Uh, It's really meant the world to me and my family and uh, just, just keep it up. We love you guys.
0: Love you too, man. All right, guys. Thank you guys and gals, right guys. I guess is the plural for like multiple people in a comfortable setting, whatever, but like all of you listeners, thank you for joining us uh, as, as we wrap this up. So hoop when you can all those good Good things. Wear a mask, mask, wash your hands and as always Thunder Up
2: Thunder Up Oh there it is Cool